15. There we go. Now I really hear myself. If you don't have a, a scripture or a Bible in your hands, it'll also be up on the screen maybe. Um, let's read Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your, in your salvation. And I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Psalm 13. When I was a kid, I was an awful speller. And honestly, if I'm, I'm frank with you today, I'm, I'm no better than what I, when I was when I was a kid. But thanks to the word, a little red line tells me I need to look at that word again to uh, help me out. But I remember when I was in the fifth grade, sorry, fourth grade, it's a point in my life that I will never forget. I was in English class, and we had a writing assignment, and I did not know how to write a word. I didn't know how to spell it. So I rose my hand, I asked the teacher, how do you spell this word? And her answer was, there's a dictionary, go look it up. Right there, I was pointing to the solution to my problem. What was I going to do next? In life, we're going to have questions. We're going to have difficulties. And there are going to be times where things don't make sense. I thought my life was difficult at 17. Then I got married. There's a couple more variables in, in my life formula. And then I got kids. The whole alphabet was just thrown into the formula. I have a lot of unknowns. My wife asked me, hey, have you seen this? I'm like, there's eight little hands running around this house. Who knows where it's at? But there's no shame and no guilt when we have these thoughts and feelings. There will be times in our lives, which I'm sure you and I have been, where we're just hitting our heads against the wall, trying to make something out of nothing, trying to make it better to no avail. And it's in these times when we have these questions, when we have these doubts, that we, that we need to be driven to God's Word. Why? Well, church, we know why. He's, he's promised to hear our voice. He, he knows our voice personally. I, I remember the first Sunday that we were here, uh, we put Ezra in with the little kids. He was crying. Margaret was crying. Uh, There's a few other parents that put their kids in there. They were crying. Then there was a moment of silence. Then throughout the sermon, there was a couple of screams. It was funny because I was sitting over here, and he had like three moms or three parents lean over and listen. That's not my kid. I'm okay. <laughs> God knows our voice. He hears our prayers. He has our best interest. And he's promised to work them out for our good, whether or not we see it. We know this, this, this scripture well. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God for teaching, reproof, correction, 
training in righteousness, that we're lacking nothing, that we're complete, ready for every good work. And when we go to God, he's going to give us the truth. He's not going to beat around the bush. He's not going to tell us what we want to hear. But he's going to give us the truth, what we need to hear. And he's promised to never leave us, never abandon us. But he said he'll walk with us each and every step because he is strong and he is mighty. So when things are looking grim, remember his promises remain true. He can handle this situation. You can trust him. Salvation is found in him alone. He's promised to deal with us bountifully. Don't let your disappointments cloud your view of Jesus. I grew up in a home where we threw under everything underneath the rug. We, we don't talk about it. It's not there. So we'll just throw it under. And so pretty soon the, the rug got a little bouncy, a little, little rough. It's not to ignore the problem. The problem is real. But let's put it into perspective and say, hey, God, your promises are all, all, also true. You're more powerful than the circumstance. I need you to speak into this. So it's time that church that we need to have an honest talk with God. When we see in Scripture, we see David, he's crying out. In the first couple of verses, he's saying, Oh Lord, oh Lord. You know, how long? He's, dis- he's like in despair. He's depressed. Depressed. He's down. Then the next two verses, he's like, Consider, answer me. There is no hope outside of you, Lord. I need you. And then the last two verses, he says this. But I have trusted. I will continue to trust in you. So in the middle of what's going on, David says, I will continue to trust in the Lord. Why? Because his love is steadfast. Why? Because he has given me salvation. Why? Because he has dealt bountifully with me. What does that love look like? Well, we see this love because Jesus died for us when we were still yet sinners. Romans 5.8. We had nothing to do with our salvation. He went after us when we wanted nothing to do with God. That's his love. I think of uh, during uh, ministry training teams with some high schoolers, we take Psalm 136, and that's another psalm you can look up later. It's, it's really re- repetitive, but it goes through the history of Israel, and it'll say a line, and then, then it'll say, his steadfast love endures forever. It'll say something else in history, and then his steadfast love endures forever. And so it goes throughout all of history. And so what I do with the students is take this psalm and make it your own. Start back to, you know, when you were born. You didn't even know. And then hard times in your life, the time of salvation, what is going on. And throughout each of those lines, his steadfast love endures forever. It's that constant reminder that he loves me because he loves me, not because I'm worth being loved. Two, David says salvation. Romans 8 one says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're no longer condemned. Later on, he says that who shall separate, separate us from Christ? Shall tribulations, shall distress, shall persecution, shall famine, shall nakedness, danger, or a sword? He concludes, no. 
Neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, anything in all creation. Like you can't add any more to that. Nothing can separate you from God. That's salvation. And he's dealt bountifully with you. He's not, he's not only giving you to get out of hell free card, but he's giving you a life full of, of joy, full of peace. He's brought you out of this darkness and placed you into light. He's given you eternal life that you shall never perish. No one will snatch you out of his hands. And God gives you good things. Matthew 7. So what are the challenges in your life making you have questions, whether about your purpose, your meaning, about God, about Jesus? What are they? And where are these questions coming from? Are they driving you to the cross, to Jesus, or away? Maybe you've been pleading for help for a while. God, you've got to show up. Answer me. Consider me. And he just hasn't shown up. Maybe you've been running because of these fears of driving you away, driving you away from God, away from loved ones, away from friends, and just into isolation. And if you look honestly at yourself, you're worse off now than you were before. And the depression has gotten so... Uh, overwhelming that you've become lost in the sea of darkness and your mind is, is running rampant and you're on this di- uh, downward spiral and it seems like there's no way to get out. You're starting to realize that life is not like a playground. But life is a brutal war where pain is real. You've tried everything, but nothing is working. So come to the source. Come to God. His word is true. His love remains forever. He alone can save you. Matthew 10. He's the one that gives you freedom and he's promised to lead you to a future of hope. Luke 8. Luke 8 is example after example after example of who Jesus is. First example. Jesus has authority over nature. He calms the storm with his, his voice. Jesus alone has authority over demons. Jesus alone has authority over dead, over the dead, and over death itself. Jesus has authority over these. These don't have authority over Jesus. And that's why we come to him, because he is able to speak, to control, to take hold. He's the one that can catch us when we're at the end of a rope and we have nowhere else to go. He's the one that's able to breathe life into a hopeless situation. He's the one that's able to open a door when everything seems to be walled off. Church, it's a time to begin to have an honest talk with God. When I look at church as a whole, my heart breaks because church as a whole... We, we look down upon questions. You just need more faith. Stop asking questions. Just trust. About put these blinders on and, and try to find your way. Or you see the church try to, try to rule with power of authority while having a, an appearance of, of godliness and, and put it all together. That's not doing any good. One thing that I've, I've picked up rather quickly since moving here three weeks ago is there's a lot of people in the church 
who are burnt by the church. Sorry, there's a lot of people in the community that are burnt by the church. And in turn, they don't want anything to do with God. But the church isn't about that. We can't just ignore these questions. We can't nullify what people are are thinking or feeling. But church, we need to start to find out where these uh, questions are coming from. I believe that the questions come from one or two places. Uh, On one side, we see uh, someone who knows that they're a child of God. They're they're trying to to follow Jesus in the everyday activities of life, day in and day out, living in such a way to to glorify God and to to honor uh, what he's doing and to to call people to his goodness. And so it's in that, 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 that way of living where the prince of this peace, we live in a fallen world, is trying to distract us, trying to take our eyes off of Jesus and what he's called us to do. And it's in that time, like David is doing, Lord, I am trying to follow you, but this is happening. I don't know what to do about it. I've tried everything. You need to step in. So you have that, you know, that, this is where... The, the questions come one side. The other side is you're choosing to live your own life, life of the flesh, life of the lust, pursuing what you want. And then when things get tough, money gets tight, you don't know how this is going to work out, what you do, you cry out, oh, how long, oh Lord? Get me through this. Answer me. Give me the strength. Give me the wisdom. Give me the knowledge. Give me the resources. Give me, give me, give me, give me. Fine print. Fix the mess that I've created. And then we blame God because he doesn't fix the mess that we created. Galatians 6, God says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Mocked. Forever one sows that he will also reap. For one sows of his own flesh will from the flesh he, we, he will reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Galatians 6. Before coming here, I had the opportunity of, of uh, serving in a a nationwide radio station. And so if people wanted prayer, they could call in and you would talk to me. And I, I've had great, great conversations with people. But the, I remember the first day I was, I was done with training. I was on my own. And so it was just me. No lifeline, no backup, no, uh, what do I do? I was on my own. I get this phone call. Her name uh, this, this lady calls, I think she's about my age, she sounds, her voice sounds like my age. <laughs> I sound like a girl, I don't know. But anyway, so she calls. And I will never forget our conversation, and we've had several conversations since, since this one, but this is the first time. Uh, she calls, and she immediately dives right in. She is angry. She is full of bitter. And she is yelling at me. She is cussing me out. She is just full of rage. I grew up, my uncle cussed like a sailor. 
language doesn't really offend me. My boss said, why do you, you know, cut in and, and hang up in a nicer way? Um, but I knew she wasn't mad at me. I knew her heart uh, hurt more, and I just happened to be the person that answered the phone. And so I just let her talk. And after a while, when she'd lost some steam, I, I, I tried to talk with her just to share some, some truths of Scripture. And then she cussed me out five more times. That time was more personal. Um, <laughs> and I just remember she said a couple of explicitives. I don't think I can say that in church. But a couple of bad words. And then she said, I didn't call for you to tell me about God. I just called, you for, or I called for you to pray. I'm like, I'm sorry, Gabby. Let me pray. And so I prayed. That conversation got better um, as weeks and months went on. But at that time... She wasn't honest with herself. She didn't want to be honest with God. She was full of bitterness. She thought that a little prayer would would help her feel better, and then she could go about her day. But she did not want to be honest with God. Church, no matter how great the pressure feels, the choice is still yours. The choice is still mine. It's not the enemy's. God's promise remains. David chose to trust God and to turn his attention not to the quality of his faith, but to the object. The pain is real, but so is Jesus. I'm not trying to negate the pain, the turmoil, the hurt. But remember that God is real, and he is the one that we need. What would it look like if we had the freedom to admit our questions and our doubts and our frustration and hurts and stop pretending like everything is okay? Wow, we would have a sense of freedom. Man, that that burden of, of the weight of shame and guilt of trying to put on these These covers would just take off. We'd be free. We'd be unburdened. We could run. Instead of running from fear, running from shame, and we all know family members, friends who spend their whole life running away from the problem. And we could begin to rest in the green pasture of the Lord's truth and His declaration over our life. And we could be at a point we we would give the freedom for others to question God to question Jesus, to question how we live because we have seen the grace that God has given to us. A pastor of mine who I I worked with before here, uh, he often said that uh, a survey was done and and out of 10 people who considered themselves, called themselves uh, followers of Christ. So not just Christians, not just church attenders, but would claim to be followers of Jesus. Out of ten people, he said, the study found out that seven of them never read their Bible. And the remaining three read their Bible less than five minutes a day. How can we experience this freedom? And the, the promises of the Lord when we don't know what his word says. We're stuck in those first four verses of Psalm 13. And we don't go back to the last two. 
because we don't know his word. God, God doesn't want us to be consumed by, by our questions, by our doubts, but he wants us to use them as a springboard to go to him, to allow his truth to lead us through these times. He already knows what we're going through. He already loves us. I, I often tell myself I have a, on my desk uh, right above my computer screen, I have a, a list of who I am in Christ. Because I need a constant reminder because my problems of the days, the, the chaos, the unknowns, can so easily cloud that for me that I forget who I am and I forget the promises that he's given to me. And so I need to remember of what is going on in my life. I can bring it to him because his word is true first and foremost. And he can breathe life into my questions that I don't need to hide. I don't need to run in and pretend that everything's okay. Look at Adam and Eve. Genesis 3. They sinned against God. What did they do? They hid. What did God say? Hey, Dave, or where, Adam, where are you? Adam, God knew where Adam was. But it's our chance to come out and to say, hey, Father, I know, that, I know that you know this, but I need to come and share this with you. I need to be honest with you. I need to talk with you. So what does the honest talk with God look like? Simply be honest with him. Matthew 6, we, you know, we know the Lord's Prayer there, but leading up to the Lord's Prayer, he says, you know, don't, don't be caught, or, you know, don't look at what others do. Don't, don't pray to be noticed. I'm like Fred. I don't like praying publicly. So easily I judge myself and critique myself, and I'm more worried about the words that I use than the heart that I'm using. But we live in a, in a world that is full of busyness. We need to take the time to tell him our thoughts and our feelings. Share with him our deepest desires. Don't worry about what others think. And then let him speak to you through his word, through prayer, through community. God's created us to be a part of a family. We're part of a beautiful church family. And then hold your situation in light of who he is and his promises. Philippians 4.8 starts off with, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is noble, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything that is excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And then he concludes with this. What you have learned, what you have received, and what you have learned or heard in me practice these things and the God of peace will be with you too see when you spend time in God's word as you bring things to him he begins to work through us as we hold fast to what he says Lord I don't know why you're doing this I don't know what what the purpose of all of this is is happening but I will remain faithful I will stick to your word, I'll continue to pray when I want to sleep in, when, when I want to do something else. I will continue to do what I've learned from your word because I know that you've promised to lead me to a life full of, uh, of hope, that you've promised to work this out for my good, that things are better when they're out of my hands and into your hands. I'm going to promise, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit myself to that. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen but I'm going to trust you because you've promised that it will work out for my good. 
Throughout my years, I've had several people come to me and ask me heart-wrenching questions. Why did God do this? She was so young. Why does this happen to me? I'm a good person. All these heart, heart questions. Most of the time when people ask me that, I don't have an answer. And I simply say, I don't know. But I do know that God is good. And I do know that God loves you. And I do know that God promised to walk with you each and every day. And I do know that God promised that he'll make sense of this. He has your best interests. And his promises are true. So to, to understand, to recognize that those questions are real, but to put them into light of, okay, I don't have all the answers. I'm not the magic eight ball. God knows them. His ways are not my ways. But I do know a little bit about God. So let's, let's look at who God is and try to understand who God is in the light of the craziness of life. Back when I was in fourth grade, didn't know how to spell a word. Dictionary, I think I had to look it up to, to put it on this. <laughs> the teacher told me to go look it up. I, I didn't. I went back and sat down in my seat. I wasn't honest with myself. I didn't look it up. And I just went with my gut. And in the end, I was wrong. Church, don't do that with your life. It's one thing when you don't know how to spell a word and you need a dictionary. But when it comes to following Jesus, it's the biggest decision that you ever make in your life. Don't leave it to chance. Don't push it off. Because God has given us a book that we can turn to. But we can be sure. Let's pray. Father, as we look at Psalm 13,